No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schapp. We welcome to the show one of our old friends, ESPN senior writer and columnist, our tennis maven, Howard Bryant. Howard, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. My favorite time of year. This is right in your tennis wheelhouse, of course, this time of year. And at the French Open, we had both the expected, Rafael Nadal winning his 12th title just in Paris, which is obviously insane, unfathomable. It's kind of phenomenal. And, mm-hmm. and Ashley Barty, Ash Barty, the Australian who took off two years from tennis to become I guess a professional cricketer, although she had no experience in that sport, has returned, obviously, to the tennis fold, has been rising steadily through the ranks the last couple of years. She wins on the women's side. Um, what did you make of Barty's victory? Well, I loved it, actually, because I think that this is one of the interesting things when it, it's almost sometimes you, you, you look at these conversations and I try really hard not to fall into narrative. Just watch the matches and see what's happening. There's nothing better than tennis in that regard as well because the because the rankings are so dynamic. And so you had all this period where it was like, oh, well, you know, Serena's winning all the time. There's nothing. She's got no competition. But if you watch the women's game, there are plenty of different players out there. And I think it's really great, too, when you come off the, you come off the hard court surface at after the Aussie Open and after the two – American Masters 1000, and then you get to clay, and all of a sudden on the clay on the clay court, you start seeing different players emerge. Ash Barty has been rising for a while now, and you were wondering when she was going to sort of cro- you know cross over because she's been playing so well, and that title was there for the taking, and she got it. And Nadal on the men's side, as we said, you know, when I was growing up, when you were growing up, there was Roy Emerson who had 12 total Grand Slam singles titles. That was. The most for the men, it seemed unapproachable for a long time. Six of his titles coming in Australia, and that seemed ridiculous. And now we've got Nadal, who's up to, what is it, 16 total? 18. 18 total, I'm sorry. Uh, Roger's got 20, right? And yeah. Djokovic has got, what, 15? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, has, has Rafael Nadal ruined the French Open, or, or has he given us more reason to appreciate it? No, he makes it better. You think so? More reason to appreciate him. He makes it better. And here's the reason why, Jeremy. Because once again, we talk about these things in narrative, and it does feel inevitable. And it's certainly by the time Rafa got done with Dominic Thiem, you were, you were thinking, oh my goodness, he just runs through. But he really didn't. He, he, he was destroyed in the Australian Open by Novak Djokovic. And I don't mean that to be hyperbolic. He got beaten straight sets, and it was his worst loss at a major, at a major final ever. And you're looking at this, and so you've got Djokovic who has an opportunity to hold all four majors again for the second time in his career. He's already proven that he could crush Nadal, which he did. He goes into the clay court season – you know, Rafa does, not playing particularly well because he had to withdraw at Indian Wells against against Roger. So he's, his health isn't great. His greatest rival, Djokovic, had taken care of him. Then he goes to the surfaces where he dominates. And Fabio Fanini takes him out at Monte Carlo. 
and he loses to team and loses to Sitsipas and in Madrid and Barcelona. So he's going into he's going into Rome without a title for the twenty eighteen for twenty nineteen. So it's not like this was a this was a giving. He finally starts to find himself a little bit. He goes out, he beats Djokovic in the final in Rome. So now you're starting to think, okay, maybe Rafa's there. And then he turns it on. And that's, it, it wasn't a given that he was going to come into the clay court season or come into Roland Garros and just dominate everybody. You could have made an argument that, that both Djokovic and team were playing better than Rafa in that tournament. But once that tournament starts, all of a sudden he turns that light switch on. We're speaking with Howard Bryant, the columnist and senior writer for ESPN, the magazine who's been covering tennis for so long and so well. And and I see what you're saying about Nadal, but you know, the fact is he's won 12 of these things, which is ridiculous. (laughs) Exactly. And that is true. And, and it's a little bit to me like the way that, you know, Bob Beeman kind of ruined the long jump for a long time when he broke the record by 22 inches in 1968. Uh, it, it's, it's, um, it's a little bit like Sergey Bupka, the pole vault. It's just like when the, when somebody pulls away so far ahead of the rest of the crowd, uh, the Peloton, however you want to put it, um, it, it, it does it somehow, diminish the event or is that uh, a silly way of looking at it? Well, I don't think it's silly, but I, I don't want to use words like lazy and I don't want to, I don't want to talk like that, Jeremy, but what it does sound to me is that we, we've become a bit jaded. I think we, we still do. We still enjoy the journey of the games. I mean, for example, this is the exact same argument switching gears for a second. This is the exact same argument we were hearing with the warriors. Oh, they ruined the game. The Warriors are three and two in finals. Yeah. And I'm not saying that they got beat straight up because obviously they had injuries, but this is the reason why you watch the games. This is the reason why you play the games. You know, the the Warriors won championships when their opponents were injured. They won in 2015 when Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love were both hurt. They win in six games. Then, of course, you've got the 2016 final, which was amazing because Draymond gets suspended and you had to go through all of those things. And so to me, I still watch the game. I still find a lot of joy in in that journey and how these championships are won and how they're lost. And if you're only going to focus on the end result, sure, it looks boring because the end result can be predictable. However, I remember a time, and you remember this as well, when people were talking about first the Patriots had a dynasty, and then they didn't win for a few years only because they didn't win the championship. Then the dynasty was supposedly dead. Ten years. Ten years. Exactly. Ten years. But in those ten years, they went to, what, six AFC title games, and they went to one Super Bowl, and I'm sure they went to two Super Bowls and lost them both. They lost to the Giants. So it's not, it's not like they weren't a great team. We fall into this idea that if the end result is what we expected – or if the end result doesn't produce, then we can create the label. And I'm still saying, I like watching the game and seeing, what's hap- seeing what happens. And if you watch that NBA final, there was nothing boring about it. I wanted to see, could the Toronto Raptors actually close? And they did. And believe me, when you saw that game six after blowing game five at home in an elimination game, it wasn't a guarantee that they were going to – I don't know what happens if that thing goes seven. I found it – I still found it to be a really compelling journey. Well, you're you're a true fan. You're better. You're a better man than I am. But, <laughs> well, I'm, um, not Bob, I'm not Bob Ryan. I'm not Bob Ryan, you know, but I'm – 
but I still <laughs> love watching the game. Who among us is? Now, he, go, he goes to everything. For those of who are listening who don't know, Howard knows this. I know this. But but Bob Ryan will drive six hours round trip to go to a high school basketball game <laughs> if it piques his interest. He, he will not. He'll see. He'll watch basketball till. Uh, the cows come home. Um, but you know, for me with, with men's tennis now, it's part of, it's kind of, uh, a microcosm of the larger issue. And I was fascinated, um, I mean, you probably were aware of this, but Chris Clary from the New York Times, the great tennis writer there, you know, tweeted before the French Open that there is only one man in the world, I believe it is under the age of 28, who is so much as appeared in a Grand Slam singles final. And it was Dominic Team. And there's still only one man who's appeared under... I mean, it's insane how the old guys have been dominating when he pointed out at the same time, I believe, Borg uh, with his 11 and McEnroe, right, with his 8, had won all of their... Grand Slam singles titles by the age of 25, both of them. And they were both retired by 26. And let's also not forget that. We're talking about three, arguably the three greatest players ever. You can certainly make a case for that. Um, but it's just been going on for so long. When, when do you see, I mean, when when is this going to end? When somebody's big enough and bad enough to beat them, and I don't begrudge those players at all. I mean, you you know, you got to, if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best, right? This is, I don't understand this whole notion that, that, Somehow the sports are being ruined. We watch the games, Jeremy, for dominance. I want to see the bet. Do you, do you want to see two teams go eight and eight and play for a championship? You want to see two mediocre teams knock the ball around? I don't want to see that. No, no, I, I, I love seeing the grape. I've just said I feel like a little turnover is good. You know, a little fresh blood is good. Give me a champion. That's what I, I, I wish there was. I, I There isn't one. Exactly. Hey, remember 2009, right? Juan Martín Del Potro mm-hmm. shows up at the U.S. Open, crushes Nadal in the semifinal, and beats Federer to win a championship. That's how you do it. Look at Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic, 2011, comes in, he beats Federer and beats Nadal, wins a championship. This is what you're supposed to do. And, and I think that, and once again, I, and I really don't want to sort of belabor this, but I do wonder, do we watch, why are we watching these things? If we don't want to see the best of the best of the best, I know that for me, when this era is over, I'm going to be real sad about it because these are the best tennis players I've ever seen. If you like the sport and if you love how the game is played and if you respect the excellence, how can you not want to watch Serena and how can you not want to watch Djokovic and Federer and Nadal and to see them all at the same time? This reminds me of what the old timers used to say when I was a kid. Oh, well, you should have seen the amazed mantle and the Duke, you know, you should have seen those teams play together. You should have seen Wilt and, and, and Russell. I'm here for dynasties. I'm not here for sort of, you know, I don't, I don't want to see some eight seed play a six seed in the Stanley cup, like the devils and the Kings did one year. I want to see the best of the best play. Howard, before we let you go, who's going to win Wimbledon? Hey, hey, hey you're going to tell me, right? You're going to tell me it's going to be Serena and Roger. Ooh, guys, you know, we used to we used to say when we were on the old on sports reporters, um, don't ask me those questions. I don't know who's <laughs> going to win, but obviously you've got Rogers got eight of them. Djokovic is the defending champion. Uh, you know it's a it, you know when you get to grass, 
the big surfers show up. So you've had Ron Ocho reach, reach a final. You've had Chilich reach a final. You had Kevin Anderson reach a final last year. So you know that you're going to – some six-foot-eight guy out there is going to be blasting aces on the, on the grass. So never underestimate that. I, I have no feel for this. So I'm going to go with the defending champion. I'm just going to say after Djokovic lost to Dominic Team, I'm going to say Novak is a favorite. And, and here we go again with the big three controlling everything. Howard Bryant, it's always a pleasure, sir. It's been too long. Thank you for coming back on The Sporting Life. Call again anytime. I'm Jeremy Schapp, and you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.